You're listening to Everyday Enlightenment. I'm your host, Trisha Martin-Owen. Today we're going to be talking about privilege and courage. I'm asking the question, what are we doing with our privilege, both on a large scale and on a small day-to-day scale? I'm not just directing this question at you, but also at myself. What are the types of things that we can all do to live a life that actually embodies the idea of unity consciousness. This topic can feel huge, overwhelming, scary even, because at times people can be tricked into complacency and feeling like they don't they can't make a difference and there's nothing that they can do to change anything. I personally don't believe this. Empowerment begins with ourselves and we'll be examining that as well. Welcome. So let's get right to it. What am I doing from my position of privilege? And I contemplate this constantly. What is it that I can do to contribute to help make the world a better place in earnest? And over time, the answers have evolved. They've become layered. Um, After our current president was elected... I felt a fire, a a deep fire, like I haven't felt in a long time, that I needed to move. I needed to contribute in the ways that I know how. It's time, it was time for my gifts to be seen and heard and given to the world so that Others may be inspired, emboldened, and perhaps moved to action themselves. And yet it was still very scary. I knew I wanted to start this podcast. Um, I knew I wanted to get the work that I had been so diligently studying and working on and doing in smaller groups um, out in the world more broadly because I felt that everybody has a specific way of connecting and saying something that resonates with specific people. I began putting it out there that this is what I wanted in the universe. And the universe has its own way of responding. Earlier in the spring, I had an incident where On my front lawn, um, someone decided to spew hate speech against Muslims and women and the typical um, brainwash muck that the far right has ingrained in their daily thoughts and it was so violent 
I felt these words so sharply and so deeply that I was in total shock that this man was saying these things to me. And he kept going. And I am not a confrontational person. I do not enjoy sparring. <laughs> this was very, very difficult for me. And even though this was pretty scary and my, my thoughts kind of stopped because when you're in shock, you, at least myself, I can kind of get that deer in the headlights like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening right now. Um, something else kicked in and I felt myself grow an inch taller I took a deep breath and I cut this guy off, which I never do, especially in those types of situations, sparring and all of that. And um, I engaged him and I was very clear that this wasn't okay. And um, then I, I think I tried to even use some questioning and different logic to help him perhaps untangle some of these dark seated ideas that are just not true. And it was awful. It was terrible. And I'm not alone in that situation. We are all feeling and or have all been engaged in some kind of highly emotional and elevated disagreement with another, especially pertaining to racism, women's rights, misogyny, um, all of these dark and fearful and hurtful elements in our lives. And after that experience, because I'm not even sure what I said, I was, I reeled for weeks after it. It was so painful to have experienced that. And after I was done, reeling and essentially feeling sorry for myself and trying to come up with all the different comebacks, you know, that I could have said or should have said, says my ego. I was able to step back and recognize that that was just one time. There are people who face this constantly because of the color of their skin or their nationality, or their religion, constantly. And what kind of reality do they live in, if that's a part of it? And how am I, as a white woman, contributing to that? Maybe not directly, because in, in an instance of 
direct discussion around racism and discrimination, I do not tolerate it. And I say so. There's just no space for hate. And when we don't say anything, if someone says something and we don't say anything, it gives hate that space to grow. And so it's something small, just saying something, having clear boundaries, and having courage. Courage to come out as yourself with exactly what you know to be true and right. Giving yourself compassion for the fear of stepping up and stepping out. And the more that we can give ourselves compassion, the more that we are able to be a compassionate anchor for others. Others will see us doing things that empower others and help others. Even if it's not directly helping, you know, sometimes when you think of helping, you're like, well, I need to um, go to a protest or I need to start a nonprofit. And yes, please, if you have that in your heart, yes, go do that. And for others... Perhaps the more introverted, sensitive, intuitive types. Having courage may be looking very different and perhaps a little bit more behind the scenes. But it all matters. Every courageous step that we each take matters for the greater whole. Just recently, past the past year or so, I've been much more interested in reading more deeply into the civil rights movement, um, the practice of nonviolence and its origins with Gandhi, and how these movements, what were the foundational elements of these movements? I mean, we know what they were, that peace, we want peace, we want equality. But how were they carried out? What were the components that made up the foundation for the way that they were um, birthed into the world? And I am constantly, constantly amazed and hold so much gratitude for the words and the actions of Martin Luther King Jr. John Lewis, who is still alive and with us today, what a blessing. Because they took 
very ancient and beautiful philosophies, bodhisattva philosophies, um, Buddhist philosophies um, they connected directly with Gandhi and they came up with a plan for how to integrate this idea of equality into our country And they used tactics like, it was all compassion-based, and they used tactics like eye contact. You make eye contact because that's where the humanness is. It's so easy to have road rage in your car because you have that protective shield around you, and it's kind of like, Oh, like there's, you don't really have to connect with that human on the other side of that windshield. The same with the internet. It's so easy to shoot off some very negative comments on a website or a bad email or without thinking of the human on the other side. There's something very powerful about eye contact. And Martin Luther King Jr. liked to talk about love, he would say, we are going to rise up against this hate with more and more and more love. He knew that in retaliation and this idea of fighting, literally fighting, it just, it takes away from, again, that human component because it's easy to get riled up and it's easy to get carried away in the emotionality of it. I certainly do at times, and I know that we all have been, and we have all been on this kind of roller coaster ride, watching these protests and the aftermath, and in, in disbelief that this is happening today. And yet why? Why are we so in disbelief? It's happening today because it hasn't fully resolved itself, and it's asking for healing. It's asking for, these situations are asking for all of us, especially those of us in a place of privilege, to do more. To stop turning our heads and to engage, to have the courage to pay attention to what's going on, to take it in and to feel in your heart what is the small courageous step that I could do. And the beauty of it is that there's not one answer because there's millions of people. There's millions of us and so there's millions of solutions. Therefore, peace is very possible <laughs> if we all take responsibility for our own lives and 
living from our own truth without the fear, without the fear. We, huge, huge waves of change can happen. One of my favorite ideologies about this world and spirituality and what I teach is your thoughts create your feelings and your feelings create your reality. I think Eckhart Tolle said that's the definition of spirituality. Your thoughts create your feelings and your feelings create your reality. And so if we can get down to this, these brass tacks, we can realize that no matter what side we're on, no matter where our motives lie, if we don't have a good grasp on what we're thinking, even on a subconscious level, what we're believing, because those beliefs can drive us in our feelings, then real change is impossible. The change that you may be wishing for in your life. And so the most empowering thought that you can give yourself in these moments of despair, utter anger and despair, when we are seeing these hateful rallies and and a total lack of leadership, we can ask ourselves in the moment, what's the most courageous thing I can do right now? And if it's take a walk to collect yourself, do it. If it's to write a letter, do it. If it's to start a group on Facebook to connect and be together in this, do it. Or finding another group that's already doing that, go for it. There's so many levels of courage. And I think especially for women, sometimes we discredit the small acts of courage of speaking up, of noting and owning our feelings, even the very uncomfortable ones. And taking action on our truth. If our truth is truly that we want to live a life of integrity, we really want to understand compassion, we have to do those things for ourselves first. And this doesn't mean that we have to be perfect <laughs> at them either. No, no, no. Far from it. Because life is a journey. And so is your purpose. Your purpose is an evolving journey. And your truth is an evolving journey. And what you know to be true in that moment, there's so many factors that depend on it. 
that it could be very different from when you're 20 and you're 60. And so having compassion for the fact that we live in a very Western masculinized world where there things are black and white, right and wrong. There's lots of judgment. There's a way to do things. There is a specific structure to do things. And in there, there is a beauty in that type of thinking because it can help clarify things. However, it can also be very stifling in, in the on the far end of the spectrum, it can get things very stuck. And oftentimes, as women, we ourselves can feel stuck in that framework because we feel that we already should have had the answer and we already should know what to do and we should already have done the thing and why am I not able to just have the courage right now because I've been doing all these things, you know, you know, the regular um, internal dialogue that many, many of us have. So when that dialogue starts to really ramp up and take over, maybe just take a moment, feel yourself, stop, and ask yourself, what's the most courageous thing I can do right now? And then after you do that, ask yourself it again. And then again and again, and these small steps will create momentum. They will. Feel into your heart. Literally ask your heart, what is the most courageous thing I can do? Or what is it that I need to do? Or please help me, however you want to phrase it. And then just listen. Your heart will never steer you the wrong direction. This listening to our heart thing and this compassion thing, it takes some practice, which is why it's called a practice. Maybe even lifetimes of practice. And it's worth it. It's worth it because that's where the answers lie. That's where your power lies. That's where your gifts lie. That's where... Your power lies for you to contribute to life, which is why we are all here. We all have a basic contribution that we're making for everybody else's evolution. In conclusion, I want to leave you with the words of the Dalai Lama. He and a handful of other teachers, as well as original texts, are things that I fall back on in times of duress and confusion when I'm really needing to ground myself in the deep spiritual practices that are ancient and timeless. We are born with a basic potential for compassion that is essential for all of our continued existence. Though emotions such as fear and hatred can also be vital to our survival, our sophisticated minds are easily swayed by a false confidence that anger can instill in us. 
we neglect our more positive emotions and overlook our sense of respect for others, our civic responsibilities, or our wish to share others' problems. With such false feelings of independence, we feel that we have no need for others. This inflated sense of self leads away from the inner peace and happiness we all seek and affects those around us in an equally negative way. He continues, I consider compassion to be a mental quality that can bring us true, lasting inner peace and inner strength. We cultivate it by using our intelligence to transform our emotions. We reduce our selfishly induced destructive emotions to increase our selfless constructive ones, bringing about happiness within ourselves and in others. How are we reducing our destructive emotions? What kinds of things are we doing to increase our more compassionate side to bolster our courage and to begin to see the interconnectedness of us all? These are just questions to ponder and probably for a lifetime. But as we do, our answers will change. They will evolve as we do, and that's okay. Just keep going, one step at a time, one courageous, selfless, compassionate act at a time. We need you. Thank you for being with us today on this journey. We talked about some pretty uncomfortable topics, but your courage and your honesty are so much appreciated. Thank you for doing the work, and thank you for being here. We have so much gratitude for all of you, and thanks for your comments and your emails. Keep them coming. If you have any other questions, I'm happy to answer them. Until next time, namaste.